0: You're listening to Mission Lab. Mission Lab. From our living new man, Ben Here's our parents, Sean and Camille Brace.
1: Hello and welcome back to Mission Lab. This is episode seventy, and it's called "You're Kidding Me." So, Sean, uh, so we just you're kidding s- me. Side note, side note. So, some of you may have noticed, or may not have, but we've been a little bit absent,
0: absent,
1: especially myself,
0: especially yourself. Where but have you been, Camille?
1: I've just been here, but you're we've,
0: back by popular demand. We have done. Uh, marketing uh, (laughs) research and the masses have told us that they want Camille to be on the program again and so ta-da here you are
1: well I'm not sure about that but we are um, we're still technically in January so for those of you who made New Year's resolutions. This mm-hmm. is part of our plan is to be more consistent on our podcast. We did so well the first year.
0: We're only 24 days uh, into the new year and yeah, we finally well, got to making a new... Hey,
1: well, it's still January, so it's still got to right. count for something. So we're hoping to be more consistent this year uh, with our Mission Lab, Mission Lab podcast.
0: We had a really good run for like, well, like a whole year every week, as we know, as is well documented, never missed an episode and... uh I feel like I've made the same speech like five times trying to explain why we've slowed down and everything, but we are committing to right now recording multiple episodes. So the one you hear next time will also be recorded on the same night. I know your mind will be blown by that concept, (laughs) but, um, yeah. So anyway, just in general, how are things been going, Camille?
1: Good. Good. We're we're excited about our restart at our church. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in full swing. Um, Sean is going to be going to Australia soon to, well, right. in March to speak for. Um, You're
0: not even sure what I'm speaking for. I'm not for, even probably. sure.
1: It's just he's constantly going places and I can't what keep track. What she
0: doesn't know is just, I'm actually going there for vacation. And <laughs> I've told her that it's, you know, for speaking. No, I'm going to Perth, Western Australia. To do a um, series of meetings for non-Christians, actually. And so it'll be just gospel gospel meetings in March. Camille, you also are supposed to be going somewhere in April.
1: I right? am. I am going down to Georgia to speak for a women's retreat um, for that Georgia Cumberland Conference down there. What's
0: Georgia Cumberland Conference for those who have no idea... They're not Seventh-day Adventists. I believe it's
1: Georgia, the northern part of Florida, and part of Tennessee.
0: What about it, though, for those Um, people who are not familiar with our lingo? It's part of
1: our Seventh-day conference. That conference makes up some of those states.
0: Okay. I'm not
1: exactly sure (laughs) if that is correct, but I think that is around that. uh, All right.
0: We're always trying to practice how to speak in ways that, make sense to people who don't share our presuppositions. Anyway, Anyways, mean- I'm super yes. excited. Um, Do you don't know the dates for that?
1: It's in uh, mid April. Okay, so.
0: My dates for Australia is like March nine ish to maybe 17. So if you are in Western Australia, I know we have, this is 2019 by the way. Um, if I know we have millions of people in Australia, <laughs> And then some of them listen to our podcast. <laughs> See what I did there? Um, so anyway, yeah, that's then.
1: He's here all night, folks.
0: Uh, <laughs> so yeah, kids have been a little under the weather, right? Yeah. Um, but fortunately, we're on the other side of that. For now, of course, by the time this comes out, maybe one of our other children will have become sick, but we hope not. Speaking of kids, Camille...
1: So, you're kidding me the you're title of me. our
0: we couldn't think of a good one well, that's a good one, right
1: of our episode today, so, Sean, so, tell us what yeah. we are talking about.
0: Well, we're talking about children's, and i I hate the p word because our whole model of missional pursuit is somewhat against the idea of programming, but we're gonna use that word programming. Um so we've done episodes about how to be on mission with children and how to be involved with a missional community with children. Now we are going to talk about what we are doing with our children during our Sabbath gathering. And we've kind of mentioned it a little bit in the past and we're not advocating still an attractional model of church, but There is going to be programming that is provided for um, people and including children um, when we gather together as God's people. And so Camille, we've already talked about before, I think in the past, maybe just briefly. But what we want to talk about is what do we do and how we came to the place where we felt called to go this direction. Because I know there's some controversy and some debate and discussion about whether we should do this or shouldn't do this. What do we do, Camille?
1: So, what we're doing now in our church is we are having the Sabbath school time or equivalent to Sunday school time during the worship service. So, during the, the, the church children's service, the, the programming. children's programming is going on during that time. Um, so, we start our worship service with um, like a mix and a mingle with hot drinks and muffins or whatever, and the kids are there for that, and the kids are also there for the songs um, when we're worshiping together, and then after that is when we dismiss the kids and they go to their classes, Um, and I think our main reason that we kind of decided to do that was because, um, one, this is a very um, common practice in most churches, Mm -hmm. like most uh, denominations
0: and non-denominations
1: and non-denominations have this in their Sunday school or worship service. Um, and we just kind of realize it's almost a must and it's worked really, really well. I must say, I feel like, uh, being a mom of young kids, it's very challenging as many of you know, to carry on conversations and to have adult um, discussions while your kids are around. Um,
0: it's hard to listen to somebody teaching or talking Yeah, when your kids are running around or wanting to do this or wanting to do and that. And so
1: if you're out in the community and, um, you're wanting to invite a friend or you're wanting to invite a coworker, or whoever it may be to your worship service. But if that person um, is a single parent, whether a single mom or a single dad, or maybe their spouse isn't interested in going, but yet they have kids and would like to bring the kids, um, someone who's not as committed to a church setting um, as you might be or as I might be, in, in a lot of ways, it's pointless for them to show up. Mm -hmm. Um, Because they're not able to get anything out of it. They're not able to ask questions. They're not able to um, get into dialogue with anyone um, during the service or after or whatever because of their small kids. And we all know how much small kids need attention and constant, like, you know attention. Yes, needing yeah. things.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> this
1: is this is done after a long day of Children. homeschooling mm-hmm. and being a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, even like you've said before for those who have grown up in the church setting, you it's hard for you to get at anything out of it as well. Like Oh,
1: yeah, and I feel like now well, now I definitely am because my kids aren't in service with me, but it wasn't until the last like um, year or so that I was able to actually even start listening to Sean before I just literally.
0: Is that g- tuned him for out. for Camille?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. no, I'm just joking, but yeah, it was just very hard to, you know, you'd start to listen and then someone's got to go to the bathroom or, you know, someone spilled their snack on the floor or someone's crying. Cause the other sibling hit them or, you know, you know what it is. It's a whole list of 500 things we all could come up with. But, um, Yeah, I feel like it's just been very beneficial, and one of the ways that we've worked this out in our church is that um, we have teachers that are rotating, so it's kind of on um, a teach by once a month is kind of our goal.
0: So how many classes do we have right now?
1: So currently we so have... By the
0: way, Camille is the one who is the leader, the director of the children's programming. So she organizes and oversees it. So yeah, how many... Yeah. So
1: currently we have two Sabbath schools, which I know is not a lot. However, I will preface this by saying that before we started this restart, we had one Sabbath school and we had a very common number of about five kids in it. Maybe six. Five kids,
0: maybe six, counting little Henrietta, who is just like an infant.
1: So hardly any kids. Um, We really needed to have two Sabbath schools, but because we had such low numbers, because we had like an eight-year-old in there with like an infant, which really didn't work. (laughs) And um, so as we started this restart, um, we ended up through a number of different I don't know avenues or ways a bunch more kids have started coming to our church along with their parents which is so great and so um, I'm just realizing as the children's coordinator that I think we need another class because currently we have a zero to five range and then we have a um, six to 12. Twelve. Yeah. So now, for some of you listening to this who have these huge churches, you're thinking, "Man, those numbers are nothing." But we have gained so many more kids. Um, what were you saying? Are we've well grown by for kids? Four
0: hundred percent increase in attendance for children. Um, so there's about twenty. We've gone from five to twenty, and this last week we had thirteen children, just five and under.
1: Yeah which was crazy because I was teaching (laughs) and there's only one teacher per class. So I was just thinking we definitely need three classes where we're going like the zero to three and then four, five, and six, and then seven to 12. So anyways, I know those numbers sound low to some of you who come from big churches, but for those of you who are in small churches, um, you might understand a little bit where we're coming from. And that's a huge increase for us. And it is an awesome problem to have yes um so i was just talking with sean talking with a couple other people in our church and you know telling them man i think we need to get another sabbath school where can we find teachers mm. so that's where we're at right now um probably gonna have some more discussions this weekend on that but like that's great like mm-hmm. it's a problem and it's a great problem to have
0: yeah so like I said there's two classes and then you have three or four teachers for each class rotating so it's not yeah. the same person doing it every week missing the adult worship gathering. And I would just say that this has been a game changer for us. I mean I think it's been humongous in in um producing a situation where we now have more people gathering together with us. And again, I know like if I if my If myself from, you know, 18 months ago heard myself now, I would have thought, oh boy, you know, you're just trying to attract people to a worship service. That's not what we're talking about. We're simply saying um, that people who, um, you know, people that we want to gather together, because we do think that the Sabbath gathering is important, it's going to be a lot more, um, it's going to be a lot more feasible for them if when they come, they don't have to worry about chasing their children around during a program where they are trying to listen, trying to participate. And so, yeah. Um, but, you know, the like for a little while, you were skeptical about this idea. Yeah,
1: well, I, I kind of, you know, as a typical like
0: traditional, avanice,
1: traditional avanice, I you know, you grow up and you think, oh, yeah, you know, but that's it's good for kids to sit in the service because then they kind of learn how to sit still and like all this type of stuff.
0: <laughs> because because every child who has ever learned to sit still has sat through Sabbath school or Sunday school. That's the only way they can yeah. ever learn, right? So,
1: um, yeah, and it was just that traditional thinking that you know. Once I started thinking outside the box, and we started discussing it and looking at all the positive aspects of it, uh, it's been it's been so such a blessing um, to be able to sit through a worship service for the first time really in nine years and be able to solely devote um, paying attention to, to the message being shared. And then not only that, but being able to converse with those I'm sitting with um, because as we've mentioned before, we're at tables now. So we have some time of discussion and prayer and, um, it has been such a blessing and I I I would dare say that any other mom or dad that has little ones w- would probably feel the same exact way of mm-hmm. you I mean I literally you know in 9 years ever since I had Camden um almost 10 years have not sat through that's a, that's almost a decade here folks Wow <laughs> you're getting old of and I know not every parent is in my situation where you know I'm basically a single mom at church because Sean's up front Um, and I know not everyone's in that situation, but I know it's still hard Mm -hmm. if it's both of you sitting in the pew or just one, it's, you know, anyway,
0: who does pews anyway, that's another topic. (laughs) Um, but no, one of the objections that I hear, you know, mentioned a lot is that, well, families need to be together for worship. And, you know, I, I think. Somebody my mother was telling me about, she had seen this post on Facebook asking, someone was asking to a bunch of pastor's wives, I don't want to like spill the beans here, but has anyone tried this and should they do it? And it was like, there was some very, very passionate responses saying, no, this is terrible, we should never do that. And studies show that children and parents should be together. And like when we worship God together, and there was like, I think you know, in the Seventh-day Adventist context, uh, Ellen White says that we shouldn't do this and read this book. And first of all, I read the the quotes that they were referencing, and it says nothing remotely addressing this. Secondly, um, parents don't usually sit in Sabbath school with their kids anyway. So what are we talking about here? It's not like you're sitting with them anyway in Sabbath school, mostly.
1: Well, and and not only that, but like, if you're having family worship during the week, you know, that is family worship time and you are having it as a family together. Um, So,
0: yeah, I mean, there, and we do have time of, of corporate worship. I mean, we sing together, we mingle together at the beginning. So it's not like we don't have it at all. Um, So I just think it's a, it's a methodology. It's not a moral thing. Like, Oh my goodness, this is so sinful or wrong. Um, Some others would lay the charge well, you're just following the trends of like these non denominational churches, or you're just trying to follow the trends that these non Adventist churches do. And again, this is specifically for Adventism because if you're just listening in and you're not an Adventist, you know, we have our own little debates. And um, I would say, Newsflash, do you know where? Seventh Day Adventists got the idea for Sabbath School to begin with. Do you think it fell out of the sky and like some person received a vision and said, "Thou shalt have this thing called Sabbath School"? Camille, if you were—I haven't even prepped you for this—but where, if you were to guess, where do you think the idea of Sabbath School came from within Seventh Day Adventist history? Pick
1: me, pick me. Um, I would guess probably Sunday school. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Really that's your that's your guess I, I honestly I didn't prep her for this <laughs> you're you're a bright one Camille. I know <laughs> yeah I mean this was something that was done as a a copy of Sunday school churches that met on Sunday they're like, oh they do Sunday school programming they train their children. why don't we do it and let's call it sabbath school wow what an idea
1: yeah and i think as we've talked about like you know not doing programming um i think for kids though i think some programming is definitely appropriate and needed uh, because you can't just have complete chaos and as we all know kids aren't just going to sit in a circle and have a discussion and um, be good with that so i think programming for kids um is definitely needed to an extent, and mm-hmm. then, as they get older um transitioning out of that where they can you know, like I said, we don't have any programming in our church. I'm not saying this is the end all be all or this is the exact way to go, but we just don't have the programming for teenagers at our church mm-hmm. um, yeah I'm not saying you couldn't as a, as a church yourself um we just don't ha- we have teenagers in our church, just not a ton and
0: and they're they they've kind of been in with adults for a while anyway to some yeah. degree and you know when our kids get to be 13 i'm sure we'll start reexamining but that's that's why this is a journey and it's like experimental and we learn as we go we see the needs because we had you know idealistic visions when you start And then once you get going, you're like, oh, okay, well, actually, that's not going to work. And, you know, we actually need to do this because this is a need that we have. So, yeah, you know, to be continued when it comes to teenagers. And, um, you know, people might say, well, you want to keep your young people and you don't even have anything for them. It's like, well, we're, we're learning. We're getting there. So keep us in prayer. But, yeah, I just think, like, there's nothing in the Bible that says yes or no. There's nothing um, scripturally that addresses something like this. And so like you adapt to the needs. And the bottom line is we want people to learn about Jesus and to like grow in Jesus. And if that means having a single mom come and yes, ideally, you know, that single mom would be learning about Jesus like in our home and we would be like discipling her in that regard um but you know when when the single mom is coming on sabbath morning it, it you know we could sit back and say well you, you know if you're really sincere you would just sit in there with your child and that child would just sh- sit there and shut up but i mean like <laughs> hello that's not reality and so we want to we want to do all we can to help people um have an encounter with the love of Jesus, and if that means having their children, getting some training, while simultaneously they are learning and leaning into fellowship and so forth, like that's a win-win, right?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So, um, anything else to add on this topic, Camille? Before we, um,
1: well, I was just gonna say one of the another positive of being the children's coordinator is. Well, I mean, I guess it's, it's challenging because it is it is hard to get teachers sometimes, but um, being able to get lots of people involved has been, I think it's not only a blessing for our church, but I feel like it's a blessing for the people who are involved. So instead of relying on one person to teach the Sabbath school class, I've pulled a variety of people just so no one gets burned burnt out, but pulling a variety of people so that we all take ownership mm-hmm. in our church. And all have a place, and all have a um a role a role to play and
0: we're all invested, and in- yeah, yeah, and I, I mean,
1: I think that can add a lot to a church where um there's so many so many of the t- so much of the time where you have those you know very few leaders, the four or five leaders leading out in every single thing, and with this aspect, we're just trying to pull more people in and really get people invested and taking ownership of where the gifts that Christ has given them and how they can use them to serve others.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we may have mentioned this before, but it bears repeating that um you know, we have a number of friends in the community that we were we've been discipling and you know, they basically said to us, it's a non-starter for us to participate fully in the life of your church if I have to show up with my kids and I have to chase them around during the worship service. So it's like for some people, I know we sound like a broken record, but it's like they won't even come through the door if they have the idea that they're going to have to like watch their children for that hour or that hour and a half or whatever length it is. Um, So it's like, again, we're not trying to be attractional, but we're just the people that we've discipled and we are discipling. And we want them to be involved in our lives and in the life of our church community. Like if we truly want them to be a part of it, then we have to make sure, to the degree that we can, we provide an an a, a environment that they can thrive and uh, you know be blessed and be a blessing. So that's the bottom line with that. Um, if you have any questions about it. Let us know. And the last thing I was going to say, kind of piggybacking on what you're saying, Camille, there's no greater way to learn to utilize your gifts than when a need arises. And like being creative and multiplying requires that to happen. Because if we're just moving along, doing the same thing we're doing that we've always done, we wouldn't have any need for people to be developed but now we've gone from literally one person teaching every week to we have six Six. people at least six sometimes seven or eight so now what's going to happen is if we multiply again and we have another sabbath school class that's going to require probably three or four more teachers and i you know the need will be there and more people will step up And if there's not a need, people don't step up. And so, um, yeah, just like developing leaders, helping people develop their gifts is like such a critical part of being God's people. And so like nothing creates that opportunity like seeking to continuously multiply and expand. So that's, um, that's awesome.
1: That's great. Well, it's been great to be back. For our first episode in...
0: In years. In
1: 2019. And we hope to see more of you guys.
0: And you hope to hear more of us, I'm sure. This has
1: been Mission Lab.
0: Thank you for listening to Mission Lab. Our theme song is Portland Hike. By Tiny Music. Additional editing by Chris Ergang. Follow us on Twitter at M Lab Podcast.